Um, let me uh, let me open this in prayer first. Our Lord and our God, there is um, much here at our church to pray about. Um, Father, we have two ladies that are pregnant and are due this week, and Lord, we pray your blessing upon Hannah and upon Lisa and their unborn babies, Lord, that they are born uh, healthy and well, and that the moms um, go through the delivery labors and pains well and recover quickly, and that uh, they're able to enjoy the birth of their children. Um, pray for the missions committee, Father, that will meet uh, this week. Ask, Lord, the, uh, the reformation of the committee is very successful and goes well and accomplishes much to your honor and glory. Um, give great thanks for Michael uh, passing his dissertation. We can all now call him Dr. Mock. Um, Father, I pray specifically in this class for your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding, and your discernment, that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work, as it says in Colossians 1. Okay, so let me, this morning we're doing love, attributes, not envious or boastful. I thought it was kind of important. I missed the beginning of this. If this is review, you guys should be able to answer this like nothing. Any of the questions I ask, and if it's not review, then it's worth having for sure. And even if it is review, it's valuable enough or important enough that we should be certain to, to know what we're talking about. So what is an attribute? If you look, I cheated and gave you the definition but and gave you synonyms, but you know, don't look at those. Just tell me what you think an attribute is off the top of your head. No, just any, could be any trait or quality, whether it's a negative or positive one. Right. I would agree with that. Anything else anybody wants to say? Okay, so let's look. Webster says it's a quality or feature regarded as a characteristic or an inherent part of someone or something. So an example would be flexibility and mobility are key attributes of our armor. So those flexibility and mobility both are attributes. Well, synonyms for an attribute kind of help us better understand it. So here's synonyms, a quality, a feature, a characteristic, a trait, an element, an aspect, property, a hallmark, a mark, a distinction, or a sign. So when we're talking about God, um, why would we want to study the attributes of God? You know, we're studying love. That's definitely an attribute of God. God is awesome, so why would we not want to know him? I like that answer, and I can expound on it a lot. So um, anybody else want to add to that before I do? As we go through this whole lesson, we're going to add to it on and on and on, I'm sure. I mean, if you look, we're looking at love, and it, we've broken it down to 12 weeks of study just to study the different parts of love. I would say 
uh, to understand who and what God is. What's the advantage of understanding what God is? Both. And I'm glad you said that because I'm going to make a comment in a minute and you're going to go, oh, that's what I just said, basically. So that's pretty cool. Um, Actually, we want to study the attributes of God. As we learn the characteristics of God and learn more about Him, we also learn about ourselves. I mean, you think about it. We're made in the image and likeness of God. So when we study God, we're actually learning about ourselves. Now, please bear in mind, I'm not saying that we're all gods and we all have the same image and likeness perfectly like he has. We are not holy, holy, holy. He's the only one that is. Every one of his attributes are holy. Um, and God has attributes that we do not have at all. We are not omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, meaning we don't know everything, we don't have all power, and we don't... We're not everywhere at the same time, but he is. And he's not stricken by time, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. But, you know, if we're going to talk about love, it's an attribute of God, and we're studying it primarily to know God, and the blessing is we get to know ourselves and get to know um, what God desires of us. Uh, let's see. C.H. Spurgeon um, says this in a high regard, and I'll kind of lighten a little bit of it up, I hope. C.H. Spurgeon says, quote, The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, which can ever engage the attention of a child of God, is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings and the existence of the great God whom he calls his Father. By the way, it's just ex something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation of the divinity. It's so vast that it humbles us, but it also expands our minds. Nothing will engage... You know, nothing will enlarge our intellect more or magnify the whole soul of man. He also states that the subject is uh, eminently conciliatory. Let me explain what conciliatory is if you didn't just walk around using that every day. It's very helpful in providing comfort and encouragement in a time of grief or great mental stress. None of us go through grief or stress, do we? None of us don't go through that. It's just a matter of how old are you, and if you haven't gone through major issues, they're coming. So, what's the best resolution to mental stress and physical challenges the whole bit? Well, we're starting to study it right now. We're studying the attributes of God and specifically, right now, love. And the fact that it's not envious or boastful. Um... There is nothing more important than sec securing eternal life. So nothing can be more important or more vital than knowing God. So that's what we want to do in here right now. And by the way, I don't want us to <coughs> know about God. 
which you kind of brought up a minute ago. I don't want us to just know about God. I want us to know God personally. It's a whole different thing. You know, you can read about somebody. You can talk about them. Uh, you can read things that they've written, books and the whole bit, and then meet them. And it's a whole, sometimes a whole different experience. And you go, wow, the, the person is so much better, bigger, more realistic than anything I've read about it. Once in a while, the complete reverse. I've met somebody and went, huh, thought he was fabulous by all his writings, but in his real life practices don't show, you know, I guess we can all write sweet about ourselves and, and things around us and then live differently if we try. But if you look at the paper I gave you, I gave you in color, and by the way, Joanne will shoot me for printing anything in color, but... but um, so if you see bullet holes in me later, you'll know she she's got not that. here. Oh, good. Then I can get away for a while. <laughs> I'll have to hide them afterwards so she doesn't see them. Right? Um, what are some of the attributes that come to mind? Without looking, what are they? Don't look at the sheet of paper because all y'all will, I gave them to you. Well, the omnis. Yeah. Yeah, we, but right before you walked in, we talked about the mission, omnipotent, omnipresent and said those are truly attributes of God only. We don't have, you know, the, we have some of the attributes he has and guarantee we don't have as fully as he does. Omnibenevolent is a word I heard Josh use one time. Omnibenevolent. Isn't that nice? Wow. Yeah, I like that. Oh, holy. Holy. Righteous. Yeah, God's the only one who is not just holy. He is holy, holy, holy. Creator, not created. Right. Attributes. Uh, Self-sustaining. Yes. There's you're nailing right on. There's more. If you, anybody else you wants to, I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to read through all these in just a minute. Um, the ones that are listed, so you can go look at the colors now. Um, so there's the omnis, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, perfectly just. That's one of the most terrifying things about God to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be served justice, and I'm a sinner. Ooh. He's all loving. That's the best part that helps overcome that terror and fear. He's patient. Boy, is he patient because he has put up with a lot of me, and I'm just one. There's a whole bunch of us doing. He's holy, he's sinless. He's infinite. In other words, there always has been God, and there always will. He's not bound by time. We'll see that in a minute. Um, He's infinite. He's good. He's gracious. Self-existent. Self-sustaining. He doesn't need anything to support himself at all. He's immense. That's a slight understatement. Immutable. <laughs> yes. Immutable. What does immutable mean? By the way, it does not mean you're not able to be silent. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not mutable, right? Yeah. You're immutable. You can't be muted. You're right? capable of being changed. Not of changing, but of being changed. Oh, no. I think he's incapable of changing, too. God cannot. Well, yeah, yes. I guess what I mean by changing. He's changing. Without, through our he has changed. Wait, do that again. Share that with everybody because that's a good discussion. 
you guys kind of said that silently towards each other, but not loud enough for everybody here. So do that again. Silently. <laughs> 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 It's a huge debate, and you guys set it up nicely. The debate over, can God do something outside of his character? No. So if God despises sin, then he's not going to do any of the sinful things at all, ever. Um, so you can have this discussion over, is God capable of doing that or not? Well, he chooses not to anyway, so it doesn't matter in my book. But, you know, it's a good discussion to have. Um, who's the creator of time? I mean, we, we're, we're apt, as people in general, not just us, we're apt to um, think about God as we think about people, that his personality is similar to ours, and it's not in a lot of ways. He invented time. There is no past, present, or future for him. It's all right there at exactly the same time. That's why when he promises something, it's guaranteed. We can promise something, and believe it or not, can't guarantee it. I can promise my daughter I'm going to be there for your birthday with a big surprise, and I have an accident on the way. It's beyond my control, and I wake up days later in the hospital and have to call her up and say, I did my best, but I was not able to keep that promise. That's not going to happen to God. And the things that he said he would do and then withdrew from, he intended to withdraw from to begin with. I'm certain of it. I mean, he, um, so he did not do something, change his mind. His mind was convinced from the beginning and despised whatever uh, was bringing the wrath upon him, but he also loved us enough to say, I'm going to balance the wrath and the love. Um, kind of brings up the big question. We had a question in the uh, men's study group, somebody said, um, yeah, it's a great question, by the way. If nobody hears the gospel, and if somebody does not hear the gospel, are they automatically saved? No, they're not automatically saved. And why not? We'll get into it as we study this, by the way. You're going to get 
phenomenal answers. I won't tell you who did that, but I just pointed in. You're going to get phenomenal answers to that question like we did not give you yesterday. Right straight out of Scripture. I'm going to read those, and you're going to go, that's the perfect answer to that question. I thought it was a great question. It made me stay up late last night. I think I got about five hours sleep looking at that and other things. Um, but, you know, for, we're going to talk about not being envious or boastful. For me, I can't do like some people and make a huge dissertation. I'm not going to go for my doctorate degree on enviousness and boastfulness. Although I would say, um, especially in my younger days, I could be um, very boastful. I don't know about the envious part. I don't remember ever um, wanting something somebody else had terribly bad. You know, I mean, my next door neighbor got a Mercedes Benz 300 SLR that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Now I would be interested in having one, but no, I'm not. I got to have it. You know, the world's going to end if I don't get that. Yeah, why would that car be worth that much? That's when Mercedes raced for about nine months and they won everything they ever raced against. And they withdrew that car. And it's the first one that had calling doors. The doors open like this. All the doors you see now open like this on cars. I don't see any of them that open. Yeah. And, uh, and it sat one person. It was a race car only. So there are very few of them made. I think there's 20 made and they're worth a fortune. So. Um, let me get back to where we were. We were on the immutable. God's eternal, and he's perfection, and he's the creator. The answer, par partial answer to the question you asked, may as well identify you asked the question about uh, the gospel not being shared. God's creation is enough evidence of God that we're held accountable just for minute, contrary to what a lot of people want to say. Um, Okay, next question. What's the response to men when they come in the very presence of God? I don't remember if I gave you the answer. No, I did not. You mean to men or of men? Yeah, what is the response? Uh, well, from men would be another way to say it, I guess. When they come into the very presence of God. They throw themselves on their face and they're terrified. They're terrified. They're what? Fear and awe. Fear and awe, yeah. They're afraid. Why? Why are they afraid? Because of God's holiness and their realization of their sinfulness. Absolutely. Nailed that one right to the, with a sledgehammer. He did a good job. Yeah, they see God's holiness. They know their own sinful nature, and it's overwhelming. Here's a God who despises sin, and I'm a sinner. All of us have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that can say we have it. How big a sin do we need to to warrant his wrath. Adam's. The little insidious bit is one. I mean, one more. One thing I on this question here is to note that you know, Jesus calmed the storm, calmed the storm with his disciples in the boat. And the scripture tells us all the peace and they were terrified. Yes. What they had just seen, you know, what they had just experienced. And they knew him, they'd been with him, they had seen him perform. But that manifestation was terrifying. Uh, you kind of brought up something I need to make sure you know. 
you know, we're sitting here talking about God. But how many persons are there in God? Three. Three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What are their attributes? They're all the same. There is no separated attribute between the persons of God. Each one of those has a different primary purpose they've chosen. That's the differences in them. But it's not that they have a different attribute or a different ability or you know, one of them is less able than the other. They're not. So, so since we're studying attributes of, of uh, love, we need to know God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit love us. Um, and that love is long before we love them. So we'll get into some of that, I hope, shortly. Um, what's the fundamental problem of humanity? I want a volunteer to give me uh, Romans 1, 18-32. It's a long read, so if you volunteer, know that. And hold your hand up so I know someone took it. Because I'm going to sign some different reading. I don't want to be the only one reading like I have a couple of times here. Someone want to volunteer to do that? Thank you. Yeah, Hosea 4.1, real short one. Someone else want to volunteer for that? Got it, thank you. Okay. Um, as soon as you get Romans 1, go ahead and read 18 through 32. Please read loud. Um, we're recording all this too, and these little mics that hang from the ceiling uh, do real well on hearing me, but not you sometimes. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For al although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Hang on but a second. Stop right there. There's your answer, by the way. Are you going to get a better answer to if someone does not hear the gospel, are they held accountable? They're held accountable right there. In fact, if you back up about two sentences and reread it again, I think it's worth hearing again. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to be dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, 
inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteousness, righteous decree, that, the, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Things have changed, right? We're not having that environment now? No, the complete reverse. We're in the middle of that big time. And a bunch of people think this is new. How old is the scripture? This particular one? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't need to know to the, to the minute, but, you know, it's not a few years. It's not hundreds of years. It's thousands of years old. So, what happens when we don't value the attributes of God? She just read it to us. We start valuing false things and try to replace basically the love we should have returning to God to something else. Normally ourselves and start patting ourselves on the back. We're going to get into that boastfulness attribute here in just a little bit. Um, okay, uh, Hosea 4.1, please. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, and no knowledge of God is in the land. Okay, let me go back and make sure we're staying on track. It's very important that we... Um, distinguish between knowing about God and knowing Him. I want us to focus on getting to know God even better than we think we already do. That should be a major goal of us sitting in this classroom. It should be a major goal of all Christians, actually. Um, let me get us back into our lesson. I'm going to read 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Actually, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not, or does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in sin. What does the word propitiation mean? We throw these words around all the time, but I like to constantly define things to make sure we're really understanding what we're studying. The appeasing of anger. Appeasement of anger. So Christ appeased the wrath of God upon us. He appeased his anger. Is what you're right. Yeah, I, 
bought a bunch of motions on me. <laughs> if you didn't see that on my face, you don't know me. <laughs> um, that hurts me to know that Christ suffered for my sins. But it's the fabulous love that he demonstrated. I mean, it's the ultimate love. But it still always bothers me. You know, we have the Lord's Supper and we sit here and talk about, you know, remember the Lord as we partake of the Lord's Supper with him. And it always hurts me. I mean, I sit here and know my sins cost him the suffering that he went through, terrific suffering. And the humiliation that he did being spit on and all the mess that he went through. Just terrible stuff. Um, so, um, why don't you want to read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3? No, I'll do that. That's where we're studying. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1 through 13, 1 through 4. If, this should be reviewed, but I want to make sure we're not on subject again. If I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then at the end of the chapter, if anyone thinks... Did I do this right? No, I just changed the wrong page. Turned two pages and I was, thought I'd gone crazy. Crazy error, maybe. So, now, faith, hope, and love abide. And of these three things, love is the greatest. So, without going into a whole lot of detail, all of a sudden, here we are. Love is not envious or boastful. If you looked at it, I gave you desires and delights. And I left a lot of blank pages for you to write in as we read scripture, your feelings and stuff, instead of filling them in for you. But some of this stuff I just gave you uh, so that you can have it later to stare at if you wanted. So here you go. Desires and delights. Since what is good is the object of love, God, who is the greatest good, will be the object of our greatest love. Did you hear that? Did you really get that? God's love towards us and our, ours towards him is not either a sensual love, or a, but agape or uh, philia, uh, self-giving or uh, sacrifice. You really love much of him if you don't really know. Did you write that or is that from somewhere? It's both. I'm going to add a whole bunch here, and this I can really relate to that. Um, what is who's the first who's the first sentence from? Who's the first statement from? Since what is good is the object of love. Uh, that's a lot of me. 
Sorry. Like that? Yes. Sorry. Here's the part I wanted to share with you. So let me bring this. Um, several of you don't know my wife who March 4th will have been five years since she passed. But I had 45, just a month and a half short of 46 years of fabulous marriage. And the love I had for her grew over the 45 years as we knew more and more about each other. Um, I didn't lose the love for my wife. It just got stronger and stronger and stronger and better and better and better. And that love showed in the way we treated each other and others around us too. Um, so I, I relate to what I'm saying strongly. How do you love someone you don't know? Well, you don't fully love them until you fully know them. Does anybody here think they fully know God, by the way? Got news for you. We're going to spend eternity if we get to go to heaven getting to know God. And I don't think there's going to be any um, lack of his ability to take all eternity to show himself. That's how great he is. So we will always grow in loving our Creator, our Savior. Continue to grow strongly as we continue to know more and more and more about him. And if, um, we think we know a lot about him now. <laughs> Imagine we know a smudge compared to what he really is. Um, I actually don't know if I agree with that first sentence. Because we don't always love what is, what is worthy of love. Sometimes we love, I mean, we love things that are absolutely unworthy. Ideally, what is good would be the object of love and what is the best. Well, the the definition of love gets interesting then, so we could go play defining love. But I'm really talking about spiritual love. So I probably should have said that stronger. So, yeah, I take your corrective criticism. Sorry, I can't help it. Well, no, I don't. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. I, I'm telling you, I have trouble with some of the current generation and maybe even the one above it right now. I grew up in an environment where we treasured having differences of opinion and talking to each other. We did not go, oh, you don't agree with me. I hate you for life. What is that? I mean, how do you learn? How do you... How do you value anything except your own personal self? That is the selfish, selfish, I'm, I'm the all-knowing and everybody else is stupid attitude. And that's kind of what we're talking about as we get into the boastful and envious, boastful particularly. Um, I'm kind of lost where I was at, let me get back. Um, yeah, the more we understand who God is, the more we will love him. Isn't that what's happening in this study right now? Believers' love of God causes hatred of their sin and the desire to do what is right. Think about this. This is what I was just talking about. When we get to heaven and we're in the presence of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we will begin to know God more and more and more. I suspect, in fact, I'm certain this will go on eternally, and therefore our love for God will continue to eternally grow. So, next question. Where do we best learn about the attributes of God. So we're studying love. Where do we best learn about love? Hopefully I didn't give you the answers. Let me look at your sheet. Yeah. You I did. did. Oh. oh, well. <laughs> I would love to have heard you answer it without me giving you the answers. But I think they're important enough to, to see. So 
We best learn in Jesus Christ. What does he say? Those who know me know the Father. Where's the best place to learn about his attributes? Best demonstration of it? It's on the cross itself. I don't know if I gave you that either. I mean, I give you tidbits of what I'm thinking in the notes I write down. So. Or what the Lord has enabled me to think, I should say. It's not me, it's him. I don't accomplish anything good apart from him, and I know it. So. I am not patting myself on the back and say, way to go, smart Steve, you're, you're the man. No. We'll do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll really wait long for that. Not. Um, why is that? This is where we see justice, wrath, holiness, wisdom, and the love of God clearly displayed. So I've set us all up just to have a short talk about envy. So what is envy? Once again, I like to go to Webster particularly. I really like to go to Webster's Dictionary that's about 150 years old. There is much better spiritual definitions in those books, and you can find them in some libraries. You can't buy one for anything, though. Nobody wants to let them go now. So. All right, so envy, what is it? The painful or resentful awareness of an advantage or possession enjoyed by another and the desire to possess the same thing. I would say it's, it's not just a desire. It's a... Almost... It is inappropriate desire. I mean, here's an example. I'm out trimming my yard with some hand scissors, and the guy beside me is mowing it with a lawnmower. I'm going to desire a lawnmower pretty quick. But I'm not going, i got to have his lawnmower or have one exactly like it. It's just, it makes sense to have a lawnmower. It makes sense to have some things. But that's not the kind of envy we're really talking about here. We're talking about the envy that... Um, well, I don't want to bite, but I'll get us there in a minute. I'm jumping ahead, and I don't want to get ahead before I ask you a few questions, because I'm giving you the answers before I ask the questions. It's not a good thing to do. Okay, so Mark 7, 21 through 23. Um, From within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensual sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these things come from within and they defile a person. So, what is coveting? It's awful, awful close to envy, isn't it? So why do we know that that envy is not a godly thing? I almost gave you the answer a minute ago. That's why I stopped myself. How do we know? Well, that's the Tenth Commandment. The Tenth Commandment, absolutely. What does it say? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's long list of stuff. Not his wife, not his servant, not his, you name it. And we can update things and choose more current things to be envious about, but they're still basically all the same stuff. Well, you could also go with the first commandment, right? To, you shall not, no other gods before me. You're putting something, 
your desire to have a physical thing in front of your desire to obey God. Right? Wow. You took a huge step with that one. Now we all feel guilty. <laughs> but it is exactly mm -hmm. right. It becomes obsessive. Like, you, want, you really want your neighbor's lawnmower. Yeah. Right? To use your I don't even want the new one in the yard, in, at the you store I want his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was Kevin DeYoung or someone else, but said, not only is it that I want that lawnmower, but I also don't want my neighbor to have it. Mm. <laughs> I want it, and I don't want him to have it. Right. It's right that I have it, and it's wrong that he has it. And obviously that's, it could be material or immaterial. It could be status, you know. Mm -hmm. It can be people. Yeah. His wife, for example. Mm -hmm. that's, sure. that's why people work so hard to destroy other people's reputation. Yeah, there's a double-edged sword in that. Probably one of the main reasons people do that is to make themselves look better. Mm -hmm. They make everybody else look bad, then I look good. We see that, I think, in a lot of politics, but we also see that in um, world powers, trying to make other people in other countries and everything else look terrible so they make themselves look better than they are. Wow. Um, Boast. Let's look at the definition of boast. To praise oneself extravagantly in speech, to speak of oneself with excessive pride. That's the attaboy, Steve. You're doing so great. Yeah, you the man. That is such a bunch of garbage. What do, what do we have to be proud of that God did not give us? So that self-centeredness, what are we trying to do? Literally, we're trying to replace where God belongs and put ourselves in his place. Even our own growth and godliness is growth, but it is, as our confession says, at most imperfect. At, at its best, it is imperfect. So there is recognizable sanctification, but... It is imperfect, so there is still re there's still uh, opportunity to abound, uh, and all and all that abundance would be because of Jesus Christ being attached to the vine. But what do we have if we're not first given? You know, that's what Paul says. So how is envy and boastfulness tied up together? Well, envy is you're envious of someone else's success, material, possession, status, whatever. While boasting, you're proud of your own success, status, possessions, whatever. They're, they're related that way for sure. Makes me wonder, people who do not want to believe in God at all, are they actually envious of it? So we don't want to acknowledge that there's something better than we are? There's something far greater than we can ever be? I, I hope, honestly, that none of us um, have a heart for God until he gives us a heart transplant. We don't, Sorry. Yeah, we don't love God first. He loves us, changes our heart, 
and them they have the desire and love for God and that desire should be the desire to obey him. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, my laws. None of us do that perfectly. It's clear all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the more we study God, the more we attempt to know him, the more advantageous it gets for us to grow and to, to love him in the right and appropriate ways. How are we going to love him appropriately when we don't fully know him? That's one. And when we don't love him anywhere near the way he loves us. There's, a, like I said, I don't want to do all the reading, so um, somebody volunteer for James 14, 13 through 16. Or James 4, rather, 13 through 16. I'd love it if someone else who hasn't already read first. I can read James 4, 13 through 16. Okay, and then 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. And anybody can volunteer for that. I'll do Thank you. And, uh, and I'll do Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So when you get to Proverbs, go ahead and read it. Who's got who's got Proverbs? Who's got James? Who's got Proverbs? Oh, James. I already read it. Proverbs 27, 1 through 2, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, not your own mouth. All right, James. James 4, 13 through 16, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So we're rapidly defining that boasting as sinful, is evil, it's ungodly. All right, um, who's got First Corinthians? We receive your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Let no flesh take glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Let, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Okay, and then Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By the way, you did a great job um, leading us on memorizing Scripture. This is a good one to memorize. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Yeah, we have nothing to boast for. Anything that we do exceedingly well uh, is a gift from God. If you're 
great love is baseball. You pick on somebody for a change. Your great love is baseball, and you are fabulous shortstop, and that's a great position to play because about 80% of the plays are going to come to the shortstop or second baseman all the time in that game. And uh, a person who's really good at that is a very valued team member. Well, before you go pat yourself on the back and say, look how great I am, I'm better than all these other people, blah, blah, blah. How did you get great? What physical abilities, mental abilities did you use and where did they come from? We all have our gifts and talents. Uh, and the question is, are we using them to God's glory? I mean, I would say this very nicely about myself. I can sing following someone else that sings. In fact, I can sing tenor and bass. I'm probably baritone in between um, fairly well. You do not want to solo, and you don't either want to hear me solo unless it's solo, you can't hear me. <laughs> and, and if someone singing beside me starts pulling off tone, out of key, it drives me insane and I can't stay on tone and in key. That's a sign that I'm not super gifted in that area. There are other areas I'm very gifted in and very grateful to have been gifted in. Ever since I was a kid, I can tear things apart and put them back together. I have literally rebuilt engines on cars alone with no help from anyone except the times that it's physically too hard or too heavy to do alone and you have to have someone assist you. You just can't do it alone. But those are gifts that uh, I always thought everybody had when I was younger and went, why does everybody keep bringing me their things to fix? Um, that, that's just a personal great gift that I have and, and I'm wondering how long will I have it? We're not guaranteed those gifts stay forever. Our speed and endurance as we get older is nothing like it was when I was in my 20s told somebody the other day that took a scuba school course that my stepdad used to teach right off of Key West that I um, probably had a thousand hours of water time and um, I used to be in such good shape it's unbelievable I could not float I used to teach life-saving for lifeguards I was a trainer for lifeguards and I could literally take a full breath of air and sit in the water and my feet would go straight to the bottom of the pool with a full breath of air. Boy, kind of, I can't do that now. I can let all the air out of me. I barely get to the bottom and can't stay there like a nanosecond because I need some air now. You know? and so that just means there's a lot of fat on me now that was never there when I was younger. You know, so. um, you need to learn how to float. Say what? You need to learn how to float. Oh, yeah, definitely. That actually was a real problem to become a WSI water safety instructor to teach lifeguards. You had to float for three minutes. And the guy watched me constantly not succeed, and he finally said, if your hands are moving behind your back, I don't see them. And I had like rotor blades running behind my back just to keep where I could keep enough air to not to, to make it three minutes, but I finally did succeed. The other side was, of course, we had to swim you know, a mile or two miles, I don't remember anymore, around uh, the lake we were training at, and that was so easy for me. I just, oh, yeah, love that. I, I was, was a a gifted swimmer and loved the high diving board too, did all kinds of crazy things off of that. But enough of that, I'm not boasting about myself. I am telling you, God gives us these talents and gifts and he deserves the glory. So if you want to boast, where do we boast? We boast about God himself.
Are these two things sinful? Absolutely. We've just read multiple sections of Scripture that identify both of those as sins. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. The I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For it is these things that I delight, declares the Lord. I knew, absolutely knew, if we had anybody in the class of any size at all, we were going to be this late before we could discuss anything else in great detail. So if you have questions or something, now is a quick time to do that. We have a few minutes. I would like to say that I think if we were, if we took more care to love and encourage one another, there would be less impulse to boast. Yeah, no doubt. I, I don't think it's about in that at all. I, um, in light of the things that the church has gone through recently, I would say we had major sin in these two areas. And what, what part of love is unselfish? And all of it's unselfish. What, you know, what part of love is tolerant? God shows us, if we want to emulate anything, emulate him. Us being super offended over trivial minor things is wrong. It's sin. I mean, being offended over something can be righteous. But the way you respond when you're offended, I mean, we look at the examples of Christ on the cross, like I said, what, what more could we give or do? I, I don't know. I've suffered some serious pain. I'm sure all of y'all have for one thing or another. I one time surprised somebody. They, I smashed my hand in the press when I was 16. And the bones were exposed real pretty, but none of them were broken. So they sutured it up, and in the middle of the night, I rolled over and broke all the sutures. So I went back in and they sutured it up and put splints on it so I didn't break it again. They sutured it up without giving me any shots to numb anything. And the guy looked over and said, why are the tears rolling down your face? I said, because you didn't give me anything to numb the... He went, what? I said, don't bother, you're on the last stitch. Get it over with now. <laughs> and he was just stunned. And I was like, that's not anywhere near the kind of pain as some of the other things I've suffered through. When I think of uh, love not uh, envying or being boastful, just think of Jesus' life on, on earth and how it was his food to do the will of his Father. And he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, right? But he humbled himself to the point of servant and point of death, even death on the cross. And he had all the divine prerogatives, uh, but he didn't avail himself of these during his earthly ministry, um, that he might save us. And his focus was to glorify the Father over and over again, especially in the Gospel of John, we, we see that that's his singular focus. I've come to do the will of my Father. 
Father, glorify your name in our mind. He's, he's not envious of that name. He's not being boastful, saying, check out my moves. Check out what I can do. See what I can do that you would glorify your Father in heaven. You know, the skills that we have, I love to see people that are gifted. I mean, a fabulous singer, that's a great thing to listen to as long as they're not super boastful while they're doing it. I mean, I don't know how to say that. Uh, I love the intelligence of people. I don't like somebody who brags in their intelligence. Y'all are stupid. I'm the genius. I'm the one with the doctorate degree. So you have to mess with him now since he has a doctorate degree. I'm the one with the doctorate degree, and I know it all, and you don't. You know, you may know a lot of what you learned about. Everybody I know that has a doctorate degree knows this thin area that they wrote specifically about. And then you start to question how wise are the outside of that area. I've met both extremes. There was a fabulous man I knew that was the most brilliant person I think I've ever known. Um, had a doctorate degree in physics. And you couldn't discuss anything that he didn't know about, it seemed like. I mean, he just prayed. Fabulous mind. And a humble guy. And I've known the complete reverse. People that think they're something fabulous and you go, so what? You know how to sew. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a nice gift, but it's not the all. The world will not end if we don't have sewing. You know? We'll find something else to use, staples or something else besides thread. Anyway, um, let me ask you to think about this before I close this in prayer. We're studying God's love. Are you really feeling and knowing God and his love for you? And how is it changing your life? <clears throat> now is the time. It's never inappropriate to focus on that and to start to change the way we show love of God in our daily walk. The knowing facts and figures and numbers and everything else is one thing. Actually, your actions speak so much louder than words. So let me pray for us. Father God, it is an honor and a glory to study you in this group. And I pray your special blessing upon all of us. As I pray, Lord, give us discernment and wisdom that knowing you and your love um, helps us better love you and better love each other in ways that brings you honor and glory. Help us to be more like Christ in our daily walk. For it's